<laughs> You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Very Loose Women with me, Leo, and Emma here. Hi. Tonight on the show, we are going to be talking about good and bad things with novelist Claire Fisher, author of All the Good Things, published by Penguin and currently available in all the good bookshops, and I imagine just generally all the bookshops. You just heard Something Good by Alt-J, uh, which is a selection from our guest, the reason for which will become clear very quickly. So hi, Claire. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Also for sending me a copy of your book, which I read and really enjoyed. Before we start, could you tell our listeners a little bit about the novel? As the title might suggest, um, it's about a young woman in prison writing a list of good things about herself to a child. So through this list, you find out what's happened to her and how she's come to be in prison. But really, it's also about her kind of attempts to kind of come to terms with herself and see life from a more positive point of view, really. And in the back of the book, it says that you're very affected by young women's issues in South London and things that you've grown up with. Um, I was wondering if that was part of your motivation for writing it or if it lay elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, I think it's always hard to really say exactly what your motivation is for writing anything. I think I've always been kind of interested in maybe stories that don't get heard that much, especially in books. Yeah, I guess I saw growing up and also working in schools in London kind of how often people, especially young women, might get sort of pigeonholed as a bad person um, or kind of denigrated in the press, but without sort of really being allowed a voice. I guess I wanted to kind of tell the story of someone whose voice might normally get heard so um i'm just kind of interested what was your inspiration for the idea behind the list of good things about yourself is that something that you've done yourself or you written one where did you get the idea for that um i wish i had <laughs> sometimes i can be very negative and i think it's a good idea to do something like that one day as i was going to sleep had like the voice in my head of this character this woman who felt like she was such a bad thing she didn't deserve to feel good actually if she could accept the challenge to kind of see the good in her life than maybe anyone could and I quite I found that made it quite easy with the drafting process just to kind of I always had that structure to go back to and I got a bit lost with the story I think okay well why is this thing on her list or not and what would be next and the book also touches on things that I know you like like running because yes. I see on your face Facebook feed I should say elsewhere that Claire and I are friends but I, I see um yeah I see that you you like run a lot and uh you also grew up in South London so that's something that you know but you also write about things like giving birth which unless like there's something you haven't told me I don't think you've you've done that <laughs> no, and going to prison which again I don't I don't think you've been to prison so there are things that like would have taken a lot of research and where you have to kind of gain insight and the two are kind of like meshed together very seamlessly in the book so I was wondering how you weld the two and go about sort of researching these bits and and then also rely on your personal experience how did you balance that out? So there's a lot of social issues in the book like Beth the main character has been in foster care and then she experiences a lot of sort of financial problems as a young adult and problems kind of that come from not really having the emotional and financial support that most people would probably just take for granted. That, I guess, came from just sort of observing people already growing up who maybe I played with or went to school with and then saw them take quite a different path for me. Not because they were less talented or less able, but just did not have the same resources or support. And also working in some like quite challenging secondary schools, I also saw that. And I kind of was really interested in this idea of how 
we kind of, you know, you see where people end up and you think, oh, they're just destined to be that way. And actually, when you're in a more comfortable position, it's really easy to kind of just think, oh, that person deserved that or I got where I am because I'm better than X person. But I kind of wanted to challenge that. Um, And what about the kind of present aspect? What kind of research or work have you done? So I went and did some creative writing workshops in some prisons, which was really, really interesting and really helped me flesh out the parts of the novel which are set in the prison. I should just add that most of the novel isn't doesn't take place in the prison, but it's about her life before. Yeah, it was really just interesting to meet the women and see that actually prison's not always a bad thing, as you might think it would be. Like for a lot of people, it's a chance to kind of like face up to themselves and maybe they've just got the time and the space to kind of deal with things they haven't in the chaos of life. And also access to kind of stuff like mental health support and education um, that they might not have had before. I guess in a way it's, well, not in a way, it's, it seems now that you're talking about it like this quite a political book, was that like a sort of conscious or is it more of a subconscious motivation in trying to get that story out there? Subconscious, I guess. I mean, it's not, I hope it's not preachy. I would. Mm. I could never write fiction, I think, with wanting to make a certain political point because I don't mm. think that works. Like if I wanted to do that, I'd write an article. But I guess these were kind of things I felt passionately about in the background maybe that was a factor in why this story was the one that kind of grabbed me and made me think I actually want to finish writing this the main motivation I guess was more like the character like I just her voice came to me so strongly and it was that that kind of kept me going back to what could sometimes be quite a difficult story Uh, I sort of liked her I wanted to make her complex and interesting and make her somebody who people could identify with even if their experiences were quite different. Mm. Emma asked about the prison research. Was there any research? How do you go about finding out the sort of fine detail of pregnancy as well? That was from just sort of being nosy and talking to people lots, listening to people. Uh, I think also, you know, my mum's quite an oversharer. She always told me everything and a lot of detail about stuff like that. Just going on Facebook, I'm sure you gleaned a lot yeah. of information about pregnancy. I, mean, <laughs> I feel like I do on a daily basis. Yes, <laughs> yes, you can. Um, I think also a few years before I wrote the book, I spent a lot of time babysitting my two-year-old cousin whilst my cousin was also pregnant with her next child. So I kind of saw the progression of that and had a bit of insight into the world of looking after small children and how hard it is. Mm. <laughs> Very small insight. As, as we mentioned earlier, the, so the book is called All the Good Things and so I thought we'd talk a little bit against Emma's will about good things and bad things, um, but maybe not on the kind of scale of the book where we're told in the beginning that there's something, a bad thing, and then we find out at the end what it is. So I will not reveal how the scale of how bad it is, actually. Um, but we're going to talk about very, very lit- little ones. I guess you know from the beginning that, you know, um, it's a terrible thing. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, so it's not that she just like forgot to take her laundry out of the washing machine. <laughs> it's That's not, not like yeah. the end of the book. That's it. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be hilarious if you had done that then in the last chapter. It's not that. I haven't even read the book, hang, but I'm just assuming. A minor bad thing is what I'm asking. A minor bad thing that either of you did potentially as a kid. When I first saw this question, I was a bit excited because I did something a bit bad, and you know, when you like hold it in. You kind of want to tell people and you especially maybe want to tell the person who it involves who might not have realised that you've done something bad. Oh, yeah, so, like, like minor adjustments on people's Facebook pages when they're not looking. Oh. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. So, you know, I wanted to take a chance to like own up and be like, this was me. Yeah. Um, so this was the opportunity I was going to take. Unfortunately, Catherine, who I feel like is sort of not the victim, but the kind of object of this story is not mm. here because um, she's not feeling well. But um, I was going to kind of reveal something that I did a while ago 
that actually affected her. That she doesn't know about. about. Yeah. Gosh, so, I hope she's listening to the show right now. You know she won't be, but <laughs> <laughs> which is why I actually feel more free to reveal it. That is so, true. A while ago, I was like be- moving between houses. I had a month where I didn't have. I was like between flats, and Catherine very kindly let me stay with her in that month. This is this is not as bad as it's gonna sound. Well, I don't know. We'll see. She very kindly gave me full access to her flat, absolutely rent free. Very very sweet of her. And at one point, she I think lent me a towel. Now I was you know being a good guest, and I period did some laundry. Blood. It's about period blood. No. Okay, continue. No. Um, <laughs> so I was being a good guest, and I did some laundry, and I accidentally died this towel blue it was a white towel like a fluffy white towel and I actually dyed it like pale well pale to medium blue um, and then when I was leaving I like obviously was going to return the towel because it was her towel so I kind of left it out and she was like oh don't forget your towel because obviously it was at this point unrecognisable to her as her own towel and I felt so embarrassed that I dyed her towel blue by mistake that I didn't admit to her that it was actually her <laughs> towel all along. And I've just been using that towel ever since because I just was too embarrassed. So I'm really sorry, Catherine. If you feel like I owe you a towel, I mean, I do. And I will gladly give it back to you. But I just, in that moment, couldn't face being like, oh, actually, that is yours. It's just blue now. Gosh, I I think in the story, like, you're not doing that bad a thing because, like, dying it blue wasn't even your fault. I think that's true, like but I think it's owning a, up to it. Yeah, I didn't own up to it, and, and maybe I should have. But I, you know, I felt like she'd been so generous with her yeah. flat and her time and her towels that I felt like it would be. I don't know. I just felt a bit ashamed, so I never yeah. told her. So now, if she's listening, which she won't be, uh, I did it. I'm sorry. She's I owe you a towel. Weeping right now. <laughs> a Into a towel, <laughs> destroyed. <laughs> so my story is like, it makes me like. I feel like your towel, you don't come off as a bad person. Whereas, like, my story that does not involve a towel, it involves an ice cube on my sister's pillow when I was about seven or eight. That's the story. <laughs> but like, I feel like you've told us a story now. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. She would wind me up when I was a kid, so I feel like it, it was to some extent justified. Um, and then I told my mum that it was for April Fool's, and she believed me even though it wasn't April. It was actually November or something. So it, it panned out fine for me, like, in the event. But I think because I never got the full retribution, you know, the sort of punishment, parental punishment. So your crime was that you put an ice cube on your sister's pillow, which yeah. then melted and made her gave her a wet pillow. Yeah, and then I lied to my mother. Yeah. I almost feel like your mum was humouring you because I, I've never met your mum, but I, I feel confident in asserting that, like, probably she didn't think it was an April Fool's in November. To be yeah. honest, like, a lot of the time when I was growing up, she was kind of in the clouds. So could have been either way. You just don't know. Claire, a minor mistake or wow. a minor bad Have you ever thing? done anything as yeah. bad as accidentally dying a pillow? Or, or oh, I don't know if anything's that bad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could reveal it. Um, I did once when I was about four cut off all the fur or some of the fur of my cat and stuck it onto a piece of sugar paper to make a picture because I thought it, would, it was a black and white cat. So, you mm-hmm. know, the contrast, the black and the white made quite an interesting picture. Very artistic, four-year-old. <laughs> Do you still have that picture? No, sadly, Aww. no. I'm sure it was a masterpiece. Do you think you still have the cat? Oh. No, Had you not also the cat. Yeah. the cat did die, but many about ten years later, I should okay, add. it so lived a long and happy a cold, life, it <laughs> despite its slightly like hipster, like uneven haircut. For yeah, you could be an asymmetrical dude. Yeah, it's very, very ahead of its time. This is in the nineties. It's quite ahead of its time. Yeah. That sounds fine. <laughs> um, so I thought that we might move away from talking about these bad things, awful things, awful, <laughs> these terrible Dyed things, towels, wet pillows, terrible things that we've asymmetrical done. Asymmetrical hat. Uh, on a cat um, just to talk about the writing because actually I 
love telling listeners about this, but I was in a group at university called The Film Novelist, and that's how I knew Claire. And actually, I was so delighted to read that at the back of the book. Um, it says one of the people that, well, groups that you thank is The Film Novelist, and I was very, very happy about that, obviously. Maybe you might want to talk about talk about The Film Novelist. How did it, how was it helpful to you? Um, it was really helpful because I think I didn't really write creatively much as a teenager. I was just quite uptight and obsessed with like essays and doing well at school. And then at Oxford, it was so, so many essays, so academic. It kind of just broke me and I was like, oh, I want to do something fun. Mm. I started just making up random stories, um, but I didn't really have that many people to share it with. And then I found the failed novelist and I was like, oh, those are nice, interesting writers. And it was a really just supportive creative environment and mm. I think that's really important when you're writing or trying to do anything creative to have sort of people who are also trying to do that and to share with each other and support each other so that it's like sort of the opposite of critics sort yeah. of but like people who can because I would always get feedback from the third novelists and like we would have this thing this is for the listeners to know where we'd read out our work and then we'd kind of go around and everyone would say like a thing and the thing that was frequently said was I really like this word so that I felt that that was a thing that people said like if you didn't have anything good to say then like pick something good from it to like mm. encourage someone and keep them going and like I just felt that it created this really good atmosphere where you just wanted to bring more stuff and people wanted to read more and I found it very lovely it was like very comforting i found at uni yeah um degree. i i mean i don't know the qualifications for being a failed novelist i wonder if it's whether or not you have had I something can, published i think we can both tell you about on, this um one of so the person who set up the group is um laura selena who has come on uh the show before to talk about ecstasy so listeners you can find our archive at um acast.com forward slash very loose women where selena pre- correctly predicted the rise of Donald Trump through looking at a dead sheep. Wow. So, uh, wow. yeah, it's very, very impressive. What? Like, live on air, she was reading all of these things. Anyway, she set up the field novelists, and um, I actually forgot what your question was. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what, <laughs> what qualifies someone as a right. field novelist? I got it. Oh. No, I'm sorry. Zadie Smith, do you know this bit? No. The, so the, I, I was not there from the very beginning, so I wasn't aware of the... See, you do minutes. need you do need to ask me, Emma, because I know I the tried. answer to this. <laughs> you went off on one about a dead sheep and yeah. Donald Trump. That is a great episode of a show. Yeah, it was yeah, fun fun show. Anyway, um, yeah. So Zadie Smith says um, all writers failed novelists because your book is never as good as the one that you wanted to write. So that's why. Mm-hmm. But oh, it was, so anyone could be a fail novelist. Every, everyone yeah. is a fail novelist. But but it's originally from a Beckett line uh, where it talks better. about yeah fa- failing better, where you can just you every you're always failing, but you can always do that a little bit. I think better. Well, and it's yeah. kind of like because I think a lot of the reasons people often they don't write is because they're scared of failing, right? Because mm-hmm. you have an idea and it's absolutely brilliant in your mind. You think mm-hmm. I'll just leave it there where it's mm-hmm. forever brilliant without trying to dare like make it real yeah. so it's kind of like the spirit of let's just, just try and have just, a go just and get something out just yeah, do don't, yeah don't be too much of a perfectionist about it it's better if it exists than if it doesn't, doesn't exist yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess I was also asking because I was wondering you're talking about this very supportive environment where you kind of began to to write do you still have something like that now like do you still have a grip around you yeah, so actually, when I moved to Leeds a few years ago, um, I kind of, yeah, I felt like I wanted to know some other writers. So I set up a little writing group that's quite similar called Word Lab, uh, where we met once a month and shared work, and that was really nice. Although I must admit, I've let it slide a little bit recently because I've just been busy, but hopefully I'll get it back up and running. And do you have any projects you're working on in the pipeline? Um, yeah, so actually I have a book of very short stories coming out later this year called How the Light Gets In. 
which I actually wrote before I wrote the novel, but that's another story. And then I'm also trying to work on a second novel. It's not at a stage yet where I can say what it is, so hopefully at some point it will become Mysterious. a novel. Do you get that thing where you find if you talk about it before you've written it, you can't write it? Yes. Well, I'm kind of I'm su- I'm superstitious about oh, talking well. about it yeah. too early on. Yeah, it's yeah. like taking the fetus out at a very early stage and waving it around, which wouldn't be a good idea. That, yeah, as all your pregnancy research will tell you, you should not do no, that. No, you should not, no. Um, I was just really curious, just going back a little bit, when we are talking about that you've done, you did a few workshops in prisons, and um, I was just wondering what kind of feedback you've had on your book, and if you've maybe kept in touch with or heard anything from the people you've worked with in prisons um, as to well, their feedback. One of the prisons, I think hopefully they're going to do it in their book club, so oh, wow. I might go back and speak to them about it. But uh, a lot of the prison librarians one of the prisons I worked in, they all read it and they, they said they thought it was really realistic and, and I was quite pleased about that because obviously they have a lot of experience yeah, yeah. of that. But, you know, I'm sure people in prison would have things they'd want to say and, you know, might dispute certain things and yeah, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I haven't they'll obviously know more about it than me I just hope that I've made it as faithful as I can well and I guess that'll be really useful for any future writing you do if you hear their responses to your book yeah, as well yeah no, I mean I did that actually my first um, interview about the book was for the Prison Radio Association so oh, cool. it was in a prison and the um, interviewer she was the prisoner and she'd read it and so she yeah she asked some really interesting questions so you, you mentioned at the beginning that there were like a few themes that were that kind of were perhaps part of the motivation but in terms of like I guess back to writing why was it important for you to to write the book I think it was just it was like main character Beth that kept mm. me going like I had the idea I just felt her so strongly that like she needed to tell a story and yeah I think it was just it was it was the character really that I was interested in and that mm. kept me going back because I have lots of half-finished novels as I'm sure lots of writers do or bits of stumps of writing that I sort mm. of got bored with but something about I think the emotional intensity of the story kept me That's something driving back when when Catherine Barty came on the show a few weeks ago I asked a, a lot of similar questions because I get a lot of stumps and um and she was talking about like trying and trying over and over again and then eventually just having something which she carried through um through like by the way she described it like a lot of hard work yeah. as well and like learning about structure and um, kind of pushing through to some extent as well. Yeah, and like yeah. just having those little moments of despair, you get stuck and then thinking, that's okay, mm. leave it for a bit, go back to it. Mm. Um, I don't know, I sometimes feel like with writing, it's like you hitting your head against a wall for like a year and then after a year, suddenly the wall breaks and you're like, oh, you can see somewhere else. But mm. it's you never know when that's going to happen, but you just have to keep hoping that it will. And what about the editing process? Did you find that more or less challenging than the initial writing? Um, actually, I... It was challenging in a different way. Um, I really enjoyed it because I felt like I felt lucky in that my editor, like everything she said, I was like, yes, that's right. Like that's. Mm. I didn't feel like there was anything where I thought, oh no, I don't want to change that. I felt like, yeah, this will make the book better. It'll make me a better writer. And I felt like I learned a lot about what was good, what wasn't, mm. and kind of what my foibles and weak spots were as a writer. So I felt like I was making it a bit closer to what I'd originally imagined, which was quite satisfying. Yeah. And and then afterwards, taking the book out kind of to readings and you said that you've just come from a friend of your mother's book group as well. Like, um, obviously, there's showing the book to people who've had that lived experience, but just generally getting your writing out there. How have you how has that impacted you as a writer? Um, Because it's been a 
really long publishing. It's been a sort of a year and a half since I got the book deal to it coming out, and then about a year since I finished editing. Mm. So it feels like a really long time. So I think towards the end of that year, I thought, oh, it's never going to really be published. I just imagined that it will. So it's actually really nice to suddenly see it out there, see people connect with it, respond to it, ask me questions about it. It's, yeah, kind of, it's, I feel like it's kind of, I can let go of it now, whereas I couldn't quite in the interim. At what point in writing the, or like starting your book writing process, did you know how it was going to end and know how it was going to be structured? Because in the beginning, I knew that she was in prison and she was writing this list of good things. I knew what the final, the bad thing was, mm. but I wasn't exactly sure how she was get there and how it would end after that did it as I'm not I can't really plan that much in advance I always find it kind of kills it if I do too much but it was useful to have that kind of goal final goal in mind so when I got a bit lost I think okay how is this gonna Mm. get her back there there are a lot of um kind of friendships uh, so the main character works in a cinema and um, which I kind of imagine to be Stratum Odeon which apparently has been pushed up but I in my memory it's not the most salubrious place and and she works there and there are all sort of lots of yeah lots of references to the cinema like you say but she's got this close friendship with people did you sort of um trace that on friendships that you had or did you invent these characters or were they sort of composites I guess all characters are kind of composites composites uh it's some of those friends like there's one of her friends Chantal is quite Mm. like a a loud girl Mm. uh quite bossy character a lot of people really like a lot of people have said to me, oh, I really like Chantal, I really mm. like Chantal. Yeah. And she was one of those nice sort of surprises when you were writing. Like, I hadn't really planned her, but she just mm. sort of emerged and she was quite vivid. Something the character needed. She does, uh, so it's this character who's, um, she's a mother, which I think makes her a sort of very strong opposite, perhaps, to, mm. depending on how you see it. But she's, you know, that's a, a large part of her life and a lot of responsibilities, so maybe kind of was constructed in opposition to your main character. Yeah, she's quite a... She knows what she thinks. She knows... She's confident in her view of the world and in who she is, which I guess the main character isn't. And mm. I guess she doesn't... It's like she doesn't really have that stable an identity, so she kind of clings on to whatever she sort of comes across. So she does go through a lot of different relationships um, and different friendships, but then they're all so important to her because she doesn't have a stable family background. Like, her friends are so important... Well, that is um, a lovely note to end on. Um, I'm just going to plug a range of things. So first of all, um, Claire's book, which is called um, All the Good Things, and it's out currently. Um, So it's Claire Fisher, just in case you're looking it up. Um, Also, you can find uh, our show on www.acast.com forward slash Very Loose Women. You can follow us on Twitter at VLW Radio. You can find us on Facebook. We don't have a lot of Facebook followers and we never get messages. So please message us on Facebook. And when we do get messages, it's because people think we are loose women on uh, ITV, yeah, which is you know, an easy mistake to make, but those are the only messages we get. We so. got a lot of complaints about something Katie Price said. And we're like, mm. <laughs> we were very we sorry get about it. Yeah, we Yeah, We told a, a bunch of listeners who contacted us that we would do our very best um, and let them know when she does come on. Thank you very much for listening. And you're about to hear All Good Things by Nelly Furtado. And thanks, Freddie, for uh, yes, engineering thank you so the show. Thank you. Thanks.